a very important poll result I need to draw everyone's attention to. New Zealanders prefer crunchy peanut butter. It's official. We're a nation of crunch. This is from the Politics and Mental State of the Nation survey, which Stuff and the Sunday Star Times are running in collaboration with university researchers. Several thousand people have taken part, so these are serious results. Questions canvas many a topic, and now we finally have an answer on the nation's peanut butter preferences. 43% voted for crunchy PB, 11% said smooth, 27% of us are ambidextrous. They'll take whatever's going. They'll take either or. They don't mind. 19% didn't like it full stop. Got to admit, I, I'm part of the 27%. I'm defo just going for whatever's in the cupboard. I love my PB crunchy. I love my PB smooth. All peanut butter is good peanut butter to me. Quick side note, because it's quite interesting, uh, Green and Act Party voters might have more in common than they think because the poll found they are most likely to work from home. Read into that what you will, and if you do want to read into that what you will, you, you can uh, you can head to the Post website. But for now, kia ora, happy Monday. This is Newsable. I'm Imogen, and this is What's Worth Talking About. A mystery gastro outbreak in Queenstown is baffling experts. What does this mean for access to clean drinking water? Watu now for the Warriors... Get it? Adam Blair provides some expert analysis. We're asking the man bungee jumping for 24 hours straight. Why? And I want your verdict on a $180,000 row about top TV quiz show, The Chase. We've got all that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support. Taking you now to Queenstown, where the school holidays are not off to the greatest start. The tourism and holiday hotspot was under a state of emergency briefly after some extremely wild weather. And there's also a cryptosporidium outbreak. Gastro, in other words, which means there's been a boil water notice in place since last week. Now, yesterday, there were at least 30 confirmed cases in the community, mostly people aged 15 to 39, and public health officials are investigating the source. Matt Wong has the trifecta here. He is a Queenstown Lakes District Councillor. He's the owner of a tourism business, and his kids have been ill with stomach bugs. And he's here now for a chat. Joining us from up Coronet Peak, kia ora, Matt. Kia ora, how are you? So good. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat. Firstly, how are the kids? Are they recovered? Yeah, I mean, kids are kids. And we just thought it actually it was um, a bug that was going around the schoolyard. Um, and that's not uncommon for anyone that's got kids. They know what I'm talking about. And uh, you own iFly down in Queenstown, an indoor skydiving business. What sort of impact has this last week of boil water notices had? We don't serve drinks or, or food. And so the challenges certainly haven't been as bad for us as it has been for hospitality and and accommodation sector, mm. uh, where they are serving their customers uh, everything in, with water or they're cleaning vegetables, et cetera, in preparation. So they've had a few more challenges than us, that's for sure. Um, the only thing we really have to th- be thinking about is our staff well-being and making sure that they've got fresh water to drink while they're at work and, and for any customers that need water. But um, yeah, sympathies go out for those people in the food and beverage and um, the accommodation sector for sure. 
Matt, the investigation team says there's a huge pool of possible sources of infection, probably an inadvertent water-based play on words there. Uh, They include people bringing bugs in from overseas and food and drink products, as well as water supply. How hard is it going to be to determine where this came from and what the cause was? It's extremely challenging to um, understand where the cryptosporidium started from and so the council's been testing the water quite regularly since the outbreak has started and we still to this day have not found cryptosporidium in the water supply in the council. So best precaution is to make sure that we take the community's well-being first and treat it like it, it was there but the reality is, is we still can't find it in the system anywhere. Does the boil water notice need to be in place for much longer then if you can't find it in the water? <laughs> well, I guess if you if you think back to um, 12 months ago or a little bit further along, the new um, water entity that now exists, if we were in the same scenario two years ago, we would have to do three negative tests and then we could lift the boil water notice. So that's what would have been in place before the new uh, water board was established. Now, um, they're a year in, and um, obviously the whole country knows about our three waters and what's going on in that space, and um, the scenario has changed, and regardless of whether we find cryptosporidium in our network or not, we are now being asked to obviously put in a significant barrier for protozoa at a significant cost, so... That's what we're working through at the moment. And we don't know the source of it, I get that, but there is a broader issue at play here, isn't there? And that's the basic human right to clean drinking water. Absolutely. And and I guess that's what the discussion we're having around the country right now is, is how do we make sure that we provide the basic essentials to our communities? And it's not just Queenstown Lakes District. Actually, mm. Queenstown Lakes District Council and our district in general has got some of the best quality water in the whole country and, and supply of water. And so if it can happen here, it can happen anywhere. And we've seen cases of that across the country over the several years. The reality is, is the protozoa barrier isn't a 100% fixed either. So even if we do put that in place, it's not necessarily going to capture everything. Matt Wong, thank you very much for your time and also all the best for the cleanup that Queenstown has to go through as well after that weather. Yeah, we'll get through it. Thanks very much. I appreciate the support from the rest of the country. It's peanut butter poll time, and will our results match the ones from the Politics and Mental State of the Nation survey? Who knows? Can't wait to find out. Are you a crunchy or smooth peanut butter person? Head to our Instagram, get your vote in, just search for Newsable NZ. You know, I just want to say, you know, to all our fans, our members um, that have supported us all year long, like, sorry we let you down tonight, but uh, the love and the support we've received has just been amazing, and the playing group certainly appreciated today. It wasn't the result we wanted, but unfortunately it is the one we got. The Brisbane Broncos riding roughshod over the Warriors to end their grand final dreams at Suncorp Stadium on Saturday night. So after the best season we've seen in years, where to now? Or wah to now, if you will. Adam Blair, <laughs> former Warrior and Sky TV pundit, is here now to chat. Welcome back, Adam. Thank you. Thanks for having me again. Um, yeah, what a, a disappointing way to finish our outstanding year for the Warriors, for sure. Now that the dust has settled, we can take our wah's tinted spectacles off, can't we? And we're probably ready to admit that the Panthers and the Broncos have been by far the best teams this year. How can the Warriors bridge that gap next season? 
the building blocks for the Warriors for next year is we're quite lucky. We get a couple of players. And I, I don't think that really changed the mentality of, you know, how they played. I think it just adds a little bit more extra to the to the team's performances. I think through the preseason, they'll go back and look over the season on where they could be doing better. They've got a game style that they believe in. They've got a coach that believes in them. They're nice and calm. And there's an opportunity for them to go away, rethink uh, where they can be better and then go after it again next year, 24. It's the the Wasp finished fifteenth last year. What's the key difference in your mind about this year? Oh, I think I think the coach definitely is mm. is much really the biggest difference. Um, and I think from the get go, he's he's delved into the culture, he's delved into the people, he's delved into New Zealand, uh, the mm. fans. He's got amongst it. He's got a calm demeanor about him, but his clarity and detail around his individual performances as as players. But then as, as a group and being able to express himself in a way that he's not overpowering the players, he's letting them and allowing them to be who they are without holding them back, but then giving them clarity around their roles and responsibilities. And I think when you've got a coach that believes in you as a player, you, it comes back tenfold to the coach because you want to be a part of the script. You want to play for the coach. And again, the preseason doesn't change again for them. It's hard work. It, it's, it only gets harder the next year and the next year after that. So mm. you can't be comfortable where you finished off this year. I know they won't be. They'll want to go one step mm. further. And it's just it just means you've just got to work harder. We cannot move on any further without giving an honourable mention to Watanez Zelezniak. And he's now scored more tries in a single season than any other warrior. Yeah, How good? Uh, standout player to you? Uh, definitely. I think there's, there's a few standout players that had their best career performances this far. And, and a lot of them are the older guys as well. Uh, Dallin, who's been around for a long time. Sean, Adam Fadua Blake, who's been in there. Tohu Harris, I think even Wade Egan. And then on the back of Wade Egan, you've got the coach who has done um, some some great things. But Dallin has been, um, I guess, an outstanding player on the wing. Scored some great tries. He's got the crowds off their seats this year. His mullet's flowing when he's getting intercepts <laughs> and running real fast. Very good mullet. Um, you know, he's got these signs about his hair. I think he may actually bring out a shampoo and conditioner brand. Um, it'd be silly not to if you were Dallin. <laughs> Um, but there's been some brilliant individual performances throughout that team. And I guess, you know, the rewards will be on, um, you know, Wednesday night when they have the Dally M's. And I'm hoping that we poll quite high in a lot of those areas and in, in positions and in the, the best play in the comp. I don't want to dwell on this too much. It was not even a question. That pass was forward, right? And it, it probably would not have changed anything. But there is a wider question around officiating. The bunker isn't allowed to rule on forward passes. Does the NRL need to change that? Yeah, no, that was so obvious. It wasn't yeah. funny. Uh, and I feel like those blatant ones, definitely. Mm. I think, you know, you, you don't want that to happen in finals games, although it doesn't change the result for the Warriors. But... You could imagine if that's a grand final and they're allowed to win on the back of a pass, I think similar mm. to the week before uh, with a knock-on in the Melbourne Storm game. But I think you can tip up a ref on those blatant forward passes that are really obvious like that. And Blair, thank you so much for coming on again. Brilliant to chat. Really appreciate your time. Not a problem. Thank you for having me. And five Warriors, including Dallin Watani Zelezniak and Sean Johnson, plus coach Andrew Webster, up for various awards at the Dally M's. Those, of course, being the NRL's Player of the Season Awards. Oh, <laughs> and for those of you following along at home, here's an update from Bryce, the Kiwi living in Brizzy, who managed to score two tickets to the game at Suncorp, but there were three of them in the family who wanted to go. Remember, it was between his partner, Anna and his 10-year-old daughter, Jessie. So, who went along? 
Hey, it's Bryce here. It is loud in the stadium tonight. Louder than State of Origin, I reckon. The winner in the Who Comes to uh, the League with Bryce contest was Anna. Up the Waz! The Warriors' loss was hard to swallow, but we're still going to talk about perhaps an even more astonishing loss on The Chase, the TV programme. A very controversial story this is. But remember, chuck Newsable a like and a follow on your favourite podcast platform to make sure you get fresh episodes delivered straight to your phone. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts. If you think you're a bit of an adrenaline junkie, please think again. Because Mike Hurd is perhaps the adrenalinist, junkiest of them all. In a couple of weeks, the Aucklander will attempt to complete 800 bungee jumps from the Harbour Bridge in 24 hours. 800 in 24 hours. Smashing, hoping to, the current world record of 765 and reclaiming the title for New Zealand, where bungee jumping, of course, was invented. Mike's here now to chat. G'day, Mike. Are you bungee jumping right now? I am. I'm upside down, <laughs> dangling under the Harbour Bridge. Uh, it's just a very calm day here out under the bridge, so there's no wind and it's a beautiful experience. <laughs> I can confirm he's not. Glad we've cleared that up. Uh, Mike, simple question, why are you doing this? Oh man, do you know, everybody asks me that and it's probably mm. uh, the most difficult question to answer for me. Um, I want to. I really want to do it. I love bungee jumping. I love what it's done for our country. Um, I really enjoy holding the record. This particular record I, I broke in, in 2017 with 430 jumps, and I and I loved having it. So having that taken away from me, it hurt. And uh, it was done by a Frenchman at a Scottish bungee site. All things wrong about that, in my opinion. So I want to bring it home, and and I want to do it for a, a great cause as well, being the Mental Health Foundation. And you still do hold a couple of world champion titles, though, don't you? Can you just reel them off for us? Yeah, sure. Uh, at the moment, I, I I still hold one. So this is my this oh, yeah. will be my fourth attempt. Uh, and right now, I'm still the the current Guinness World Record holder for the most number of bungee jumps in one hour, which I set. In, uh, or I broke in 2011, so I've had that for, for 12 years, and that's at 80 jumps in an hour. So, you know, we've got the speed. We know we can yeah. do it. It's just a, a, about the body holding together and the mind holding together. Speaking of the speed, have you figured out the fastest way to get back to the top again? I imagine that's going to be where your time's lost. I, well, as, a, as someone who's never bungee jumped before, I imagine this will be where your time's lost. Do you have to unclip, get in a boat? Will you have a boat waiting for you? Or do you just get lifted straight back up? Or I have worked out the fastest way, and it's okay, having good. the best team on the planet. And um, mm. and I work with the bungee originals, AJ Hackett Bungee in Auckland. They have the most amazing setup in Auckland for those that... I uh, have or haven't done it before. I can describe it's like a pill-shaped capsule bolted up underneath the harbour bridge. 
there's a, a plank in the middle, like a pirate ship plank that you can jump from. Um, and on either side of that are two very, very fast winches that they uh, attach to the cord and they pull you back up. So I don't have to run up any stairs. I'm permanently fixed onto the bungee cord at all times. So right. if they get me to the top and I jump again. Goodness gracious. Is this something you can train for? 800 jumps in 24 <laughs> hours? Kind of. It's probably one of the worst parts of, of um, having done it before because I, I kind of know what to expect. I know the hurt locker. I know the deep, dark places that I'm going to have to go to uh, to bring this title back home to New Zealand. And part of that is physical. You know, it's the harness that I'm wearing, pulling in different places and learning how to fall and how to take the impact in different parts of my body. Um, mm. There's also that motion sickness or seasickness almost. Uh, swinging around under the bridge for 24 hours is, is not a lot of fun. But uh, most of it is that mental game. And it's why I've chosen to represent the Mental Health Foundation. You know, you're eight hours in or it's in the middle of the night and you've got a couple of hundred bungee jumps under your belt with a few hundred to go. Uh, standing at the top, ready to go again, is not an easy thing to do. So it's, that's my why. Mike Good, thank you so much for joining me today. And Mike's also using this as an opportunity, as he mentioned, to raise money for the Mental Health Foundation. You can find all the details if you Google Move for Mental Health Bungee Jumps. I know that because I Googled it <laughs> and tested it out myself. Mike, all the best for October 10. Thanks, guys. I appreciate the support. Now, I don't know about you, but I love the chase. It's television at its finest. It's got everything, like the news. It's got highs, it's got lows, facts, a sense of urgency. But a new episode that's just aired in the UK hasn't gone down too well with viewers. I'll set the scene. A team of three players are playing for £90,000. That's about $180,000 New Zealand dollars in the final round. The stakes are high. Paul the Cineman Sinner needs to get 16 questions right to catch them and stop them winning the money. And he does, with one second to spare, one second remaining on the clock. But here's the audio of a question that Bradley Walsh said that Sinner got right, but has viewers crying foul. Now, which former One Directioner is the father of bear pain? Liam Payne. Correct. Dutchman. Now, I'm 100% sure the correct answer is Liam Payne here, but I am not 100% sure what the cinnamon said there. Listen again. Which former One Directioner is the father of Bear Payne? Liam Payne. Now, let me be very clear. We at Newsable love the chase and all of the chases. In fact, I'd be willing to say the cinnamon's one of my faves. But all I'm going to say is that that sounded like Ian Payne. Not Liam Payne. And if I had just lost $180,000 because of one second, I would be asking a few questions that the producers might not be able to answer. Get in touch. What do you think the cinnamon said? What did you hear the cinnamon say? Flick us an email, newsable at stuff.co.nz. That is newsable for today. I'm Imogen Wells. Have a good evening. If you like this podcast, please support our work visit stuff.co.nz support. I think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues. You don't want to be held to account well, no, on I, what, rising child no, abuse numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tattoo about gotcha journalism. Hang into the National Party's no, attack line there. No, that, I think Chris, it would be a resignation offence.
if I didn't deliver tax reduction. Yeah, yeah we're, I'm not worried about it at all. Nothing iffy in there, that sits with you perfectly fine. That's what, we're, that's what we're focused on. Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts.